With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we're back. Welcome to the Baird Inn. I'm Matt Workman. That's Joe Goodman. Joe, it's been a while. It has been a minute, a couple of weeks of insane work and family schedules. It's I, I told somebody today it's the it's the karmic payment for the time off that everybody takes during the summer is that things get more hectic. So like for me personally, I've just had like a bunch of stuff due. The past two weeks I have worked more every single day than like any other day the previous six months of the year. Um just getting stuff ready to go and then i'm but the benefit is in uh two days i get i have a week off so close to some vacation matt close to some vacation yeah you just took you just took a vacation yeah i just took a vacation and for me it's like having two teenagers at home all day every day you got to keep them occupied busy and that's that's a full-time job in and of itself Mm mm-hmm so yeah. yeah, so we just got back from vacation, get back into the um you know, kind of groove of like summertime and summer's really busy. It's like even sometimes it's even more busier than when they're in school. Yeah. It it definitely like my wife being a teacher there's always like, "Oh, I can't wait for summer to get here." But then summer comes and she's just got her list of things that she wants to do that she just doesn't have time for during the school year yeah so like inevitably it's the same thing we're like yeah she doesn't have to like work but she's just as busy yeah and, and with we have that- a fun little thing coming right now where i mentioned so like wednesday i'm hopping on a plane and i'm flying to atlanta to go hang out with some friends for for a few days um she's staying back watching our son i get back I fly back, I land on Sunday, and she then leaves to go to Louisville on Monday uh, for a, uh, it's a school thing. She's a sponsor for like a, a group of students who are part of an organization that, and there is a national competition in Louisville, so my wife is chaperoning it. Um, so 
it's going to be quite interesting for our son. He's going to basically have almost two straight weeks where he will not have both parents with him. So she's solo parenting for about like four or five days, and then I'm solo parenting for a week. It'll be fun. Fun It will be fun, Matt. Fun times with a one-year-old, so... He's two now, so even two, worse. Turn two, so <laughs> even worse. You're right. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, so ours, we're like, we're busy, like, work this week. Then we're going to San Antonio over the July 4th weekend. Then two weeks after that, Big 12 Media Days. And then it's, like, August, you know? <laughs> so it's it's really moving fast. Yes, very, very much this this month it's it's almost the end of june it's june 19th right now we're recording this on a, on a monday afternoon so it is i don't know where this year has gone i can't believe we're almost halfway through 2023 i know i know and speaking of 2023 uh since we have had some time away from the podcast we kind we previously we started our like team previews uh, so we got about three teams to do today because we've been off for like three weeks. It's a triple threat bear den. You get three for the price of one. So we're gonna we're gonna move a little bit quicker, quicker. Um, and we're also not gonna dive into as much Baylor news. Um, I think the only major thing that's happened right was Jalen Bridges came back. Hooray! That's good news for the basketball team. But I think that's the most that Matt and I will touch on that. Yeah, we lost um, the football player, but tra- in the transfer portal, but. We've had a couple of commits come in. Had a couple so. of commits, so okay. yeah, just pretty much business as usual in the modern era of college football that's going on. Um, and we've already, I think we've already talked at length about how Sawyer won the job, or uh, Sawyer didn't win the job. Shapin is is continuing forward as the starting quarterback. Yeah, I think we touched on it a little bit. How Aranda had said like they're going yeah. in the fall with Shapin's QB one. So one other major thing of note is before we dive into previewing the rest of the big 12 newbies so today we're going to just to give you guys make your make you aware we're going to cover cincinnati houston and, and ucf in this podcast today but one cool thing of note and and you may have already submitted yours matt but we we have been given the opportunity to participate in uh the preseason rankings so we get to oh. we get to submit a vote each of us on um where we think each team will finish in the big 12 this year, as well as the preseason, all big 12 team. So I have not done mine yet. I I've, I've gone back and forth on a lot of things. And one of the things I think I struggle with today is remembering what I said about BYU, because uh, I'm sure that we're going to run into a point where it's going to be like, Hey, does Cincinnati beat BYU? And it's going to be, yeah, of course they do. And then in the BYU episode, I said that BYU would win. I don't know. Don't hold my feet to the fire. If I do that, just 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 recognize that we have full-time jobs and, and families we take care of. So it's been two and a half weeks since we've recorded, and that, yeah. that may be why we we contradict ourselves. Yeah, and talking about the uh, the preseason media poll that we're participating in, I you were the smart one. You said, Yeah, I'll take a look at it and kind of work my thoughts out. And I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna do it. You did it what day of? When, when yeah, the, day of. Like I was like, you know what? I'm off. I got nothing to do. I'm, let's look. Let's do some research. And it already bit me in the ass because. Oh, don't say yet. Don't say yet because <laughs> this. I think we should run through it when we do when we do our podcast from Big. I'll Club just Media. say this: There's a player on my like all conference teams 
no longer with the team that they were when I made this. So, <laughs> so it's great. Everything's going perfectly. Matt voted Max Duggan first team QB. Um, all right. So Matt, who we've got, we've got, uh, we've got a triple threat today. As I mentioned, yep. we've already covered BYU out of the four new joiners and what will be a one-off extremely unique big 12. Like we've never seen before, before Texas and Oklahoma leave. Yep. Um, so today we're going to cover, like I said, the rest of the newbies, we've got central Florida, we got Houston, we got Cincinnati. We'll do what we kind of did with BYU. It may move a little bit quicker, but we'll do quick overview what we think about the team as a whole and then we're going to run down their 2023 schedule and kind of see where we think uh how they'll do game over game matt who do you want to start off with um let's just start off with the cincinnati bearcats. the bearcats all right out of cincinnati ohio for those who didn't know based off yep. of their name so my overall view this is what this is one of the teams that i think will struggle the most coming in Interesting. Um, okay. And that's basically just, I'm not super jazzed about their coaching hire because Luke Fickle went on to Wisconsin, who's highly successful at Cincinnati, um, went to the playoff, took him um, and led that team on that run. Um, they hired Scott Satterfield from Louisville and just not thrilled with that particular choice. And I know they lost a lot of that talent from that aforementioned playoff team. So um, I'm a little bit skeptical in their first year. I agree. I was not a huge fan of the coaching hire when they, when they got Satterfield, the day it was, it was less than exciting. On the upside, though, on the more positive thought train is they were able to go out and, and nab a power five coach. Um, so True. True. they were able to to steal a coach from the ACC. That's pretty neat. You know, they didn't they didn't have to go find an assistant or, you know, a defensive coordinator at East Carolina or something. Right. I'll be uh, a coach that was probably going to be fired. But yes, fair. <laughs> One thing I will say, though that I do like about Cincinnati and that gives me a little bit more faith than what I've seen from some other folks around it, even from Cincinnati fans that I've seen is over the last two or three years, at least they have played some stiffer competition than some of their other AAC brethren. So they played Notre Dame a couple of times. Yeah. They've played Notre Dame. Um, Last year alone, they played uh, what two? They played two Power Five schools. I don't think anybody else uh, that we're going to cover today played multiples. So they played Arkansas. They hung with Arkansas on the road last year, only lost by a touchdown. They beat uh, Indiana, which I know Indiana is nothing to write home about, but they're a Big Ten school. They've got Big Ten money, and they do have some Big Ten players on that squad. So Cincinnati isn't going to be um, unfamiliar with playing some some more powerful better athlete schools than you see in the bottom of the AAC they're not going to be to the extreme that I think we talked about with BYU where BYU as an independent was constantly playing a lot of Pac-12 schools especially so they you know BYU may be more you know more Big 12 ready than Cincinnati is but I, I do think Cincinnati has a slight advantage just from the last couple of years of playing um, at this level They've also got a coach, no matter what you think of Satterfield, that at least understands um, Power 5 schedules. He understands the Power 5 workload. 
he understands what the desires are um, and what the demands are at Power Five schools. So they have an advantage there. They're not they're not coming in with a coach that's never experienced playing in a conference like the Big Twelve before. So they've got a couple of little things there that make me think, hey, maybe Cincinnati won't be um, as terrible as some people are acting like they'll be, or or being on kind of the short end of the stick of things. So that's that's just kind of my high level thought. Have you had an opportunity to look at their schedule at all for this year, though? Uh, yeah, I did a little bit. I have it pulled up right now, and I looked at it a little bit before we started. Okay. So I kind of have an idea where I'm going to go as far as their schedule prediction. Yeah, interesting shift for them. Uh, as we mentioned with BYU, right? It's one thing to have a handful of Power 5 schools on your schedule. It's another thing to have 10. And when you move to a Power 5 conference, that's the big yeah. – it's week in, it's week out. You don't really get those breaks, especially mid-season. The SEC has a, like everybody criticizes for them. It's smart. The SEC has their smart way of scheduling where they kind of. I, I agree with the SEC. I kind of yeah. Agree they throw like, a cupcake in yeah. there in week ten. That's fine. I, I think eight, it's eight conference games. Yeah, and they only have eight. Whereas we we're going to have nine, so that's going to be a big change for everybody we talk about here today. They're used to having four non-con games this year. They'll only have three, um, and Cincinnati only has one Power Five non-con. Um, but let's go ahead and dive in. So in their very first game as a Big 12 school, not their first Big 12 game, but the first time they're going to run out on their out there on that field at Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati, and they're going to have the Big 12 logo out there on the grass. They will be facing the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. Um, now, of course, we are way too early to have any kind of lines on these things. But Matt, do you think Cincinnati starts 1-0 as a Big 12 school against Eastern Kentucky? Yeah, I think so. I think they're they're good enough and they've recruited well enough that they'll be able to handle uh the Colonels. Yeah, I don't think the Iku Colonels are are really going to throw much at them. It'll be it should be a very fun environment, I assume. It's going to be like, "Hey, we're in the Big 12. I think the place will be rocking and this is going to be a blowout game. Uh we do have a network for that game. It's on ESPN Plus, but I think there's going to be some excitement around Nippert this year, and that's going to be a, a continuing theme that I have with these three schools compared to BYU, where I think BYU already had a really, really great home environment. I think that oh, yeah. two of the schools we're talking about today, their home environment's going to go to another level. Cincinnati is one of them. Um, and I, I think there's just going to be some general excitement, probably higher ticket sales for everything, mm-hmm. not just in the conference revenue, but you're going to see more ticket revenue coming in. But yeah, no no issue with the East Kentucky Eastern Kentucky Colonels for our Cincinnati Bearcats. They start the season off one and zero. Next up, though, Matt, their first test, their only non-conference Power Five opponent. They head not too far away up to the state of Pennsylvania, where they face off against West Virginia's heated rival, the Pitt Panthers. Um, now, again, this one's on the road at Acroshore Stadium in Pittsburgh, uh, which is where I believe the Steelers play. Um, yeah. Matt, what do you think? Does can Cincinnati rep the Big Twelve, head over to the ACC, and and snag a nice little road non-conference win? Uh, I think Pitt gets the win here. Um, I just have more confidence in their coaching staff, and being on the road, it's a decidedly large jump when you go from Eastern Kentucky to Pitt in far as talent wise and type of team that you're going to be playing. 
and I just think that uh, I think Pitt's going to be have a, have a decent team this year. All right, I disagree. I think Pitt is hot garbage, and that's based off of one single game I watched them play last year, where West Virginia went up there and hung with them. And I think West Virginia is hot garbage. I think Cincinnati is not as hot of garbage, and I'm going to take Cincinnati to to go in there and make the Big Twelve proud grab us a road win where we can say, ha, 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 see, we did grab the right school, and they start off 2-0. and All right. So you're at 2-0. and I'm at 1-1. and and You know what? I'm actually going to write this down. Okay. So yeah. after – paper, Matt. After – yeah, I mean, call me old. Um, after Pitt, they get to come back home. And this also has a, a network. This is a another ESPN Plus game. Um, and they will take on Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. And alma mater of Joe Goodman's grandfather. Also the alma mater of... Like a ton ben of Roethlisberger. football coach. Ben Roethlisberger. Um, yes, Ben Roethlisberger, indeed. That's the only, only Miami of Ohio person I know. And I believe former Notre Dame coach Era Parsegian went there as well. There's a lot of there's Miami's like the the cradle of football. Like there's there's a it there's is. a ton of football that come out of there. But Miami's not good at football, so Cincinnati's yeah. going to win this game. Yeah, for sure. This is a, this is another W. Yeah, another I think guy. Miami's good at football for what they are, but not for what Cincinnati is. Plus, it's his home. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. At home, at night. So Yeah, it's a night game. 7 Eastern, again on ESPN+. Plus. All right, so yeah, that, that one's easy. Okay, they stay at home for the next week, Matt, and for the very first time, they will play an official conference game as a Big 12 school, and they didn't get thrown a cupcake here. They are getting to host former Big 8, now Big 12, and future SEC school, the Oklahoma Sooners, coming off of one of their worst seasons that they've had in a very long time, under second-year head coach Brent Venables. Uh, their fan base really thinks they're going to see a big jump. I, I, I think they're kind of thinking things like a la Dave Aranda from year one to year two. What do you think about what Cincinnati can do as this sort of rebuilt-slash-rebuilding Oklahoma Sooner squad heads up to Nippert Stadium? Well, you touched on the you know, uptick in season ticket sales. I think this is the first home Big 12 conference game in Nippert Stadium. I think it's going to be rocking. They're going to be hype. Um, we talked about Satterfield. Regardless of what we feel about him as a coach or how we like the hire or not, he's coached in these types of games. And I think I'm less high on the Sooners' outlook than Sooner fans are. So I think uh, they could upset the, I'm going to call it an upset, um, the Sooners at home to open Big 12 conference play. All right. I am going to disagree with you. I think, I think Oklahoma will be much better than they were last year. I don't, I'm not saying I think Oklahoma's a threat for the Big 12 title game. I'm still kind of considering where I think they land as I build out my, my preseason poll. But I don't I don't think we're going to see the OU that we saw last year. I do think we saw Oklahoma improved as the season went on. Another full offseason without distractions, without – let's be honest. Oklahoma and Texas both have had just so much 
off the field stuff going on. Oklahoma, maybe more than anybody with, with the leaving of Lincoln Riley on top of managing what's going to happen. When are you going to the sec? I feel like now that they've got an established head coach, he's been there for a year. Everybody kind of knows what to expect. His assistants are there. The players understand how these guys coach them. That you know that that was a big shift, right? It's it's never easy to go from one culture to another. And Venables has a vastly different culture than than Lincoln Riley did. And I think um, with the SEC stuff now put to bed, everybody knows where they're going to land. Everybody knows what this year is all about. I think the focus is going to be a little bit more on football. So I expect an improved Oklahoma Sooner squad. I think it's kind of I think it's kind of sad that that Cincinnati gets their very first uh, Big 12 game against a school like Oklahoma. You're right. It's going to be a rocking house. But at the end of the day, I think I think Oklahoma prevails. All right. Next up, they get to travel all the way across the country to Provo to take on BYU. Um, This game also already has like a time and a. Channel. It's Big 12 after dark, baby. Big 12 after dark, 10-15 Eastern time. So 9-15 Central on ESPN. Um, this game is going to end after 1 o'clock in the morning for Cincinnati fans. Yeah. <laughs> this is like this is kind of one of those like body clock games. Yeah. For Cincinnati. It's like... And Provo rocks, man. Provo and, rocks. And, yeah, and they're not going to be able to breathe because... The elevation. Yeah. <laughs> so I have this as a, a BYU win. Agreed. So. So right now you're at three and two. I'm at three and two. You just, you have them losing to Pitt and I have them losing to Oklahoma. That's where our two differences are. But we both have a three and two Cincinnati squad. Yeah. They're going to lose to BYU in the first matchup of the newbies. Um, but then now. The only breather that they kind of get here, they got a nice little off week after the BYU game. And then they the the gauntlet does not end, Matt, as they head back home where they do have a, a couple of, you know, a nice little stretch of home games, two in a mm-hmm. row. They get Iowa State coming in mid-October, October 14th. Uh, we have no TV schedule for anything the rest of the way no. uh, as we dive into these conference games. But do you think what do you what do you think about Iowa State? Are they going to come in? Are they going to be able to 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 push Cincinnati around, or are they going to kind of downward trend and Cincinnati takes the game here? I think this is a close game, but Iowa State, their experience in the Big Twelve, and this is for regardless of what how we think what they've underachieved re, in recent history. Matt Campbell always has his guys ready to play. And I like the way they play, and I just think it's just going to be a little bit too much for Cincinnati. Agreed. I think um, Iowa State's going to be running out a new offense this year. I think. Um, I think that if you were to look for, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying if you were looking for a team that could emulate what TCU did last year where they come in, they're running a new offense. The the individual pieces we didn't think were very good heading into the year, but then they kind of figure out a way to put it all together and win games. I think that could be, you know, this Iowa State team. Last year, again, tough. 
coming in, replacing, you know, a guy like Brock Purdy, guys like mm-hmm. Brees Hall, like Charlie Kolar. Um, right. This is now this group's team coming in. I think with Sam Decker is his name. Um, Hunter is there, is there, they're, they're le- Deckers. There you go. Is their lefty quarterback? Yeah. I think he might end up being pretty good. And if you're looking for a guy that could become the next Max Duggan, it wouldn't, it would not surprise me if it was him. So I agree. I think, I think Iowa State's, at the very least, is just going to be what they are. Fundamentally sound, tough to beat, not flashy, but they're going to travel well and they're going to they're going to play people tough. And I think Iowa State wins this game as well. So we both we're now three and three with Cincinnati. Um, and Matt, do you know what the next game is? It's another home game. They welcome in the Baylor Bears to Nippert Stadium. Um, yeah, Baylor wins. Yeah, no doubt. Baylor wins. We can just move on to the next one. Yep, there you go. That's all you need to know. Baylor's winning that game. All right, so now I've got them. I've got them on a four-game losing streak after going on a rant about how I didn't think they were going to be as bad as people think. Again, I think I think it's going to be one of those things where they're playing people tough. It's just hard, and they're, the schedule ain't easy. Um, But they do go back on the road now, Matt. You've got them losing three in a row. I've got them losing four in a row. We both have them at three and four. They're starting to get to the point where it's like, all right, we need to maybe grab some games here if we want to think about bowl eligibility. The more we lose, the rougher it is. And they head back out on the road down south to Oklahoma in Stillwater to face off against the Oklahoma State Cowboys at Boone Pickett Stadium. Matt, what do you think about this one? Can they go out and snag their first their first road win in the Big 12? I'm highly skeptical of Oklahoma State this year. So I'm going to chalk this up as a Cincinnati win. I agree. I am uh, when I'm looking at my my poll, it's becoming more and more difficult every day for me to not have Oklahoma State near the bottom. So I I agree. I think the nice way for me to say this is I think it might be a transition or a rebuilding year for Mike Gundy. Uh, but they did not instill much faith in me the way that they looked last year. This offseason has felt like they were in complete disarray. I think there's a lot of noise going on there. I think a lot of no. players necessarily aren't happy. Um, they had a I mass think exodus. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. Like said, they've lost a lot, a lot of production. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't have a whole lot of hope with Oklahoma State this year. So I think Cincinnati, they start to right the ship a little bit. They start to feel a little bit better. They grab their first Big 12 road win against an established original Big 12 team. And and move themselves back to four and four. So you and I are in agreement there. They get to go back home on the next game. Um, but they welcome in the UFC Knights, the uh, UCF. Yeah, did I say you? Okay, UCF. You're right. Let's just call them Central Florida. Um, and Joe, how do you think this goes? This is another newbie. You know, they're playing. They play pretty much all of them. Uh, all three. So how do you think this goes for uh, Cincinnati? Last year they played each other. So we have, a, we have something to look at. It was at home for UCF. It was in the bounce house. UCF won by four points, um, 25 to 21 in that game. It was close. It was also homecoming for UCF in that game. And it was a big deal for them, right? Cause it's, they know it's the last year they're playing each other as AAC schools. There's a little bit of bragging rights heading into the Big 12, like, ha-ha, we beat you. Yeah. But I have to ask myself, 
How would that game have played out a four point win in the bounce house? Normally we give teams about three to three and a half points just for being at home. The bounce house is an extremely home friendly environment for UCF. So it wouldn't surprise me if you could do a four point swing from just being at home. So that tells me these teams are last year, at least were pretty much the same. They were, they were on equal footing. That said, I think UCF is going to be a little bit better this year. Mm -hmm. I think, from a coaching standpoint, they have consistent coaching, which Cincinnati doesn't have. And I think just overall, Gus Melzon's a better a better head coach than Satterfield is. Yeah. Even though this one's on the road, I may change my mind. It, I may have changed my mind if they came out and they were like, this is going to be a 7 p.m. night game on ESPN, you know, and it's a blackout. Maybe I would think differently. I think this is a very close game and UCF pulls it out. Yeah, I think... UCF is probably, I agree with you. I think they're going to be better than Cincinnati this year. Continuity of the coaching staff, level of the coaching staff. Like, I agree with you. I think Malzahn is just uh, is a better football coach. I mean, and I think that's proven out with his uh, his track record. And I just have more faith in UCF going into this first year I just to be more prepared than than Cincinnati, and yeah, I think they uh, they come away with the win. All right, we're in this together. So now we are at what four and five. So only only room for one more error for Cincinnati to reach coveted bowl eligibility. They head back on the road, back down south, the furthest south that they will go all year to. Houston, Texas, to, f- to face off against the University of Houston Cougars at TDECU Stadium, Saturday, November 11th. Again, we have uh, another matchup of newbies. Do you think Cincinnati heads into Houston and takes this one? This is tough for me. Um, I'm going to say Houston wins because it's in Houston. Okay. So I'm going with Houston. I don't know what this one, man. Houston, uh, out of the three schools we're talking about today, was probably the worst one in 2022, but we're not talking about 22. We're talking about 23. That said, Houston's losing its best wide receiver. They're losing their starting quarterback. And I think there's lots of questions about whether or not Dana Holgerson even wants to be at Houston. I don't think he'll be fired mid-season in their first year in the Big 12, so he's going to be there. But it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't survive heading into year two there. So you're going to take that as a Houston win, a Cincinnati loss. I'm going to throw Cincinnati a bone and think they they head down into that game. They have the advantage of it being in November. It's not going to be hot. It's not going to have the normal Houston, you know, death humidity that's going to be going on. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a comfortable game to play in. So I'm actually going to take Cincinnati to win that one because I think I think there might be some lethargy at this point in U of H's year. All right. So. After they travel from Cincinnati to Houston, next game, they travel all the way to the other side of the country to Morgan. Which is right next door to them, to be fair. It's yeah, almost true, the home. True, you're right. I mean, it, it is a little bit of weird travel to go Houston back to Cincinnati, but it is a short trip to go from Cincinnati to Morgantown. So that's a fair point. Um, we're both of us, we've talked about previously, we're not super high on West Virginia in this coming season. Do you think that Cincinnati can 
get a win over a power five or, you know, an existing power five, you know, legacy big 12 team. I go back and forth on this one. Cause it's like, I don't think Neil Brown will be the coach at West Virginia when this game happens. I now again, I predicted that he was going to get fired midseason last year. He did not from everything I've been told. It's more of a money it's all, issue. It's all, than about, anything. it's all about the bills. Yeah, they he, he they didn't want to pay his buyout, so it's yeah. just like why are, we're not going to pay him not to coach for us. We're just going to grin and bear it kind of thing. By this time, his buyout's going to be many. much lower. Yes, yeah, much lower. So I think Neil, if Neil Brown is still the head coach, I think they lose this game. If Neil Brown is not the head coach, it might be one of those things where they just win three or four games to close out the year because they've got a new voice in there, but then it could also be one of those things where the bottom just completely falls out in West Virginia. I don't know. Like we said, the thing that I'm thinking about here is that it is next door to Cincinnati, right? Yeah. Morgantown and, West, and Cincinnati are right next to each other. This is... is an old Big East rivalry. Yes, and so. it, I've I've been banging, you know, banging my gavel or, you know, hitting my chest, screaming at the mountaintops, whatever you can say here to get Cincinnati into the big 12, because I've always thought that they would be the perfect natural rival for West Virginia in our conference. Finally, it's the case. We're throwing West Virginia a bone here where they don't have, they have somebody next door. Finally, because of that, I think, I think West Virginia, again, we're going to see some lethargy here. I think they're going to be apathetic and lethargic about their season at this point. I think Cincinnati fans are going to still be excited, even though we've got a bunch of losses on this schedule that you and I have predicted it's still the Big 12, and they're getting to play West Virginia as a conference opponent again. They're going to buy tickets to this game. This is going to be a packed house in Morgantown, but I think it's going to be like half black and red, not, you know, and it, they're going to be louder than the blue and yellow that are out there. So I'm going to take Cincinnati to win this one. All right, I'm going to take West Virginia. All right. For all the same reasons you said, just on the other opposite side. Okay. I think, you know, like it's, the old there, I think West Virginia, even though they may be a little bit lethargic at this point in the season, I think it's going to be a raucous house. It's going to be packed out. West Virginia fans are going to really want to beat Cincinnati just because there is a history. And I think that this may be one of the few wins that West Virginia has on the season, but I think they can take care of it since it's at home. I mean, I'm giving a big home field advantage to the Mountaineers, and that's where I'm I'm landing. All right, so you have officially put the final nail in the coffin for Cincinnati. They are not bowl eligible for you, as you've got them at four and seven now. I have them at one, two, three, four. I have them now bowl eligible at six and five on mine. So you've got them at four and seven, not making a bowl. I officially have them making a bowl at six and five. Let's head into the final game of the year, which. For us, you know, not really much to play for on either of the schedules that we have for Cincinnati right here, except to close it out on a strong note before heading to their bowl game. They go back home to face off against everyone's Big 12 darling from last year, the Kansas Jayhawks. Matt, do you think Kansas is going to be continue to be the powerhouse that they were last year, or do they regress back to the Kansas of old and and look like a, a bye week that Cincinnati can actually beat? Uh Kansas offensively is going to be, I think, like they were last year. They're going to score a lot of points. Uh, defensively, I have questions. Right now, in in June, I don't know if Cincinnati has the 
offensive power to match up with what Kansas does on offense with Jalen Daniels and everything that they can do on that side of the ball. I could see this being a high-scoring game with not a lot of defense being played. I just don't think that Cincinnati can keep up at this point in time. So you got a Cincinnati loss. So we now officially for Cincinnati, the Baird End prediction, the Matt prediction. Matt prediction. Come at him, folks, is four and eight for Cincinnati in their first year. The Joe prediction, a little bit more positive, a six and six Bearcats adding to a bowl game, repping the Big 12 in their first season in. Yeah. That ties a bow on our, our preseason of Cincinnati. Matt, let's hop over. Uh let's save, let's save my hometown team for last. Okay. And let's okay. dive into Central Florida next. So I know we're we're moving fast here, but we don't have any ads to give you guys. We don't get paid to do this. We do it for fun. Yeah, um, it's free. So yeah, this is all free. We, we pay money to do this. Anyway, um, so UCF coming off a nine and five season last year. They were six and three in the American Conference. They lost. They they made it to the AAC championship game. Got the doors blown off them by Tulane. Then they went and played in what was called the Military Bowl um, in Annapolis at Navy Stadium. They got the doors blown off of them there, 30-13 to 13 against Duke. Uh, they lost three out of four to end the year, with their only win being at South Florida, who was a, a, a stinking garbage team. They ended up, like I said, they lost to Navy, then to Tulane, then to Duke in three of their last four. And Navy wasn't just, good. Yeah, they they finished, they did not close the season out well. They started off pretty good. You know, they they had a, a non-con loss at home to Louisville against, you know, Satterfield. And then they ended up, they, they won four in a row. They didn't lose again until they got just a random game where they got their doors blown off of them at East Carolina. But then they came back home, beat Cincinnati. So they were they were a weird team last year, still won nine games. But again, the schedule does not play the same in the Big 12 as it does in the AAC. They do have one advantage, though. They do not play a Power 5 school in their non-con. No. Uh, they have group of five FCS level for, for three games. Yeah. And this is, this is, as we've learned from Baylor, it takes a minute before your adjustments to your non-con can kick in. We are now getting into the era where Baylor has some really cool non-con stuff on the schedule. Yeah. It took us six, seven years to get there because of how far out these contracts are signed. And our old leadership was very, very much of the mind of play as easy as you can a schedule um, before you get into conference play. We have different leadership now that thinks differently, thankfully. Um but yeah, I think you're going to see a little bit of this from some of these schools where they've just they've got some commitments. And this year, yeah, yeah. there's a Big Twelve rule I think where they have you're they're supposed to play one Power Five non-con. I th- I'm, I'm, I think they they passed. I that. think that's coming up. Yes, that does sound right. Now these are retroactive, like you're talking about. These are scheduled way in advance, so they're kind of getting the pass because these games are on the books. Yeah, and what we'll see, game two, their second non-con game. It's it's one of those non-con games that's not a power five, but a lot of people are like, yeah, it's close enough. It feels like um, it. it feels like a power five. You know? feel, it's it's a relevant school that's not in the power five. But let's dive in. Similar to everybody else we ever talk about. Uh their first game of the year as a Big 12 school at home. They're playing off against Kent State, the Golden Flashes. 
Um, I'll just go. I, I have I have UCF winning this game. Yeah, don't need to dive too much. Uh, UCF wins this game. Okay, great. So UCF, congratulations on beating Kent State and, and winning your first game with a Big 12 patch on your jersey. Uh, but next, this is what we're talking about. So this is not a Power 5 school, but it's a road game in a tough place to play against a school that has a very long history now of beating up on Power 5 schools, and that's the Boise State Broncos. So they're heading up to Albertson Stadium in Boise, Idaho. We do have a time for this one. It's a night game um in Boise though I think it'll be it'll be a day kick there because I want to say that they're they're mountain time it's a seven eastern kick so it'll be five o'clock still be daylight but second half will be dark um at any rate it's going to be a rocking environment there in Boise probably what do you think about this Matt do you think do you think Cincinnati goes up and and takes a road win at Boise uh UCF yes UCF um I I do Boise had a, a rough start. They had a, they had a weird year. Um, I think UCF is just going to be a better team. Okay. UCF's so, going to be better. Mm, I'm going to mm, – this one's a real toss-up for me. It's a real toss-up. I'm going I, – I am not betting against the blue field. I'm going to go with a loss here. I, I've got – I'm going to take – I'm going to take BYU or, or sorry, Boise state winning this game. Too many blue schools that start with B I'm taking, yeah, I'm going to take Boise to win this one. So you've got, you've got, you've got UCF winning. Yeah. I got UCF winning against Boise. Yes. All right. I think fear the blue fear, the blue turf. That's, that's what I'm thinking here, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We've got the final non-con game of the year back at home. Uh, at the Bounce House, which is now is called FBC Mortgage Stadium in Orlando, by the way. But I will continue to always call it the Bounce House. I think it's one of the, the best nicknames of a stadium in college football. They will face off against the Villanova Wildcats, which is one of those schools I always forget has a football team. I know, me too. Because I'm I think of them as a basketball school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. What do you got? I, have, I have I have UCF winning this one. Yeah, me too. Okay, so you got a three and zero start. I got a two and one start. You've got you've got them super excited. Yes, non-con is over. Now they're going to head in to their Big Twelve conference schedule, and not an easy start for them. They don't get to start at home like Cincinnati did, um, and they're playing a team that is going to be walking in wearing very new, very shiny Big 12 conference championship rings from 2022 at their home stadium. It'll be their first conference game of the year as well as the Kansas State Wildcats welcome uh, the UCF Knights into Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Matt, do you think UCF has a chance against the defending Big 12 champions? Uh, I think Kansas State takes care of business and gets a win. Agreed. This is a loss for UCF, 100%. I think Kansas State starts off strong. I think this is going to be one of those games where, again, it's Kansas State year in, year out now, from Snyder to to um, Kleiman now. They're just one of the. They just don't. They don't beat themselves, and they're not gonna. They're not gonna beat themselves at home in this game. And I think I think they take care of business pretty soundly. A, a multi touchdown win, personally, is what I think goes on here. All right. 
Who's next, Joe? Uh, it's a little school you may have heard of uh, out of Waco, Texas. Uh, the Baylor Bears. Now, this is what I'm really annoyed about is UCF's very first home game as a Big 12 school and Big 12 play is us. They get to face the Baylor Bears. As I've mentioned, this is, you know, I think Provo's the best home environment of the four schools that we have added. And if I say they're one, one A is the bounce house. This place, when this this school cares, that place is rocking. It's called the bounce house because they jump up and down constantly. And there are videos from the tunnel of the players walking out where you can see the beams of the stadium where the students are sitting. They're bending and they're moving up and down. It's a loud place. It's a raucous place. It's a tough place to play. We don't know what time this game is going to be yet. If it's a night game, I'll be super worried. I think there's going to be a decent amount of Baylor fans there, though, because I have heard of folks that are going to be coming, heading out there for that game to go see the sights that Orlando has to offer the first time Baylor goes out there to play football. But overall, it's going to be a raucous environment for UCF. And I I just don't quite know, but Baylor's going to win the game. For sure. I got this. It's going to be a good game. I'm almost certain of, but I think at the end of the day, Baylor comes away with the win. Yeah. The the Bears just are, are, aren't going to lose. That's just the way it goes, man. That's just the way it goes. Who's next, Matt? Who's after Baylor? Uh, They go back on the road or go on the road, and they travel back to Kansas to take on the Jayhawks. What do you think, Joe? The Kansas Jayhawks versus UCF. This game, again, this is a road game. It's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to, it's going to be one of those games that Melzon, I think, is, is, is going to like. Like He's going to have fun coaching in this one. He's going to score fast when he wants to, and he's going to control the clock when he wants to. And I, I honestly just don't buy into as much Kansas hype as some other folks have. I, I'm... I need to see it twice before it's not just a flash in the pan for me. So I am going to predict that UCF kind of writes the ship a little bit, grabs their first Big 12 road win, and takes a win at Kansas. I I agree. I think this is a, of the new teams. I think this is one of the ones that can keep up offensively with Kansas. All right. Um, and I've, I've been on the record already that Kansas defense, uh, I don't think they're going to be good. They weren't good last year. And UCF is the type of school that could, uh, you know, make score some points based on that. Got it. All right. So now we're halfway through the year. They get a week or, off, and they've got they've got a solid week off. It's dead in the middle. Six and six is how their season is broken up. So so good good pull there by UCF on their on their bye week. I've got them sitting at three and three. You've got them sitting at four and two. Now. They get that breather, and now they head into probably the toughest environment that they will play in all year. They head down to Oklahoma to face off against the Sooners at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium in Norman. Matt, does UCF have an upset in them? Because I'm going to call it an upset just because of the history of the two programs. Sure. Does Does UCF have it in them to, to go into Oklahoma and win a game? I think... Oklahoma wins this game. I agree with you. In Norman, I think this is. I'm 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 
firmly believe Oklahoma's going to have like a weird season. And this is one of the ones I think they can definitely take care of. Like I said, it's, you know, at home, you have, if you've never been, it's, it is a, a intimidating place to play. They get into it. They, um, they surprise. I have been to OU. So. Yeah, it is. And you're going to hear Boomer sooner more times than you've ever heard it in your life. For everything, no matter what. Uh, water boy gives enough water, like yeah. Boomer sooner. Um, yeah. Successful peanuts are, are thrown in the crowd, Boomer sooner. Yeah, so it's exhausting. Um, but yeah, I think they can uh, take care of business at home. All right, so we've, we've got a loss there at Oklahoma. Now, we've talked about this team being hot garbage a little bit already. Um, they head back home after playing Oklahoma to face off against West Virginia. Uh, what do you think about this one, Matt? Uh, I think UCF wins this game. This I is, agree. Uh, in Orlando, we've already talked kind of – this is homecoming for them. Uh, and we've already kind of talked about what we think about the Mountaineers. So I think they can uh, – get a W on homecoming. Agreed. Um, they do then head back out on the road after that. And again, tr- uh, travel next to West Virginia. They head to Cincinnati and we've actually already talked about this game and we both have UCF winning it. Yeah. So my prediction I made uh, 10 minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, I thank God for pen and paper. I have that noted down. Oh, I know. Cause I uh, forgot. <laughs> we didn't contradict ourselves in the same episode. Woohoo. Uh, so yeah, we got UCF beating in Cincinnati and West Virginia. Now they're going to head back home after those two games, uh, face off a, a team that we have also already talked about a little bit, um, uh, that we think is a, in a bit of disarray and we don't have a whole lot of faith in heading to the bounce house. Oklahoma state comes into play. Does UCF take care of business at home, Matt? I think they do. I think they can take care of business at home against this Oklahoma state team. All right. So you have now put you you have just given UCF their seventh win on the year. And I will agree with you that they beat Oklahoma State and I'm going to put their sixth win on the year. So you and I both have UCF as bowl eligible this season. Yes, sir. All right. So after a string of what we consider to maybe be three games in the weaker part of the Big 12, we head into a team that we did not get a chance to talk about on Cincinnati's schedule a team that a lot of people coming off of a bowl win against an SEC school um, maybe performed a little bit above expectations last year with a fiery, excited head coach that a lot of people have some faith in this year. UCF heads to Lubbock, Texas uh, in a November game. Man, it thinks things at night. That'll be intense. They go to Lubbock to face off against the fighting Joey McGuire's at Texas Tech. Matt, does UCF have any chance of beating the Red Raiders? I don't think so. I'm going to go with the Red Raiders here. And because I fully expect this to be a night game in Lubbock in November. And that's, that's a, that's a tough spot. So it it is a tough spot. So um, I'm going to go with, and I'm uh, optimistic about Texas tech this year. So maybe not as, as much as some, but I'm pretty optimistic about them. So I think that, uh, they take care of business at home. I think they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. I uh, I think in a recent mailbag on our Daily Bears, uh, somebody was asking about who I put in the top three, and I said in no particular order, and I think I had Texas Tech up there. 
Um, again, I'm bouncing around in my head. There's a lot of things. Something I say today, don't hold against me in September because I change my mind like crazy when it comes to football. But uh, I'm very good at talking myself in and out of things. But right now, I am I am higher than probably the average person, but not as high as the craziest tech fan is on tech this year. So I think I think tech handles this game pretty well. So you and I both have them bowl eligible. You've got them now at what seven and four. I've got them at six and five. Heading into the last game of the year before bowl games, uh, they will welcome another Big Twelve newbie in the Houston Cougars. First time we've gotten to talk about U of H. Uh, oh no, we talked about them a little bit in the Cincinnati in the Cincinnati piece. But yeah. what do you think about what do you think about this this game? I I've already mentioned what I thought about like Dana and the losses that Houston had in in the last offseason. Is this a win for you or a loss for you with UCF? I think it's a win for UCF. Um, like I said, I'm not high on I'm not super high on Houston in their first year. I think UCF just was constructed and built more for moving into the power five than everyone in the of the newbies except for maybe BYU. And I just think we've talked about and we'll we'll next we'll talk about Houston a little bit more, but they have other issues going on heading into the season. So yeah, I think all right. They take care I, of it. I agree. I've got I've got a UCF win noted on this one, so we're we will close out UCF. You've got them at a very very respectable, especially in your first year in the Power Five, eight and four. I've got them seven and five. Really, the only place where you and I disagreed was the Boise State game. I have them losing that one. You have them winning. Um, but yeah, you you got them at eight and four, man. So I don't think UCF com- fans will complain about going eight and four in their very first year in the Big Twelve. So my methodology is basically like I have a number and I'm going to fit the schedule to my number. <laughs> so I look at before. I'm sure like, Parker Parker Stats Award will tell you that's exactly how you should always look at data. So I'm like, all right, I think they're going to be eight and four. Where are those eight wins coming from? <laughs> I'm just going through this. I have. I'm surprising myself with this, but I've got two bowl eligible teams. All right, we've got one more that we're going to talk about today. We're going to close out the Big 12 newbies. We are going to head to my hometown where my dad went to school. Um, and I do have actually a Fi Slamma Jamma poster up on the wall where I'm recording right now. Um, the Houston Cougars, a team, uh, former Southwest Conference team uh, that has believed they should not have been left out of the Big 12 in the first place. So we won't talk about the fact that they were they weren't really in the Southwest Conference for that long. Um, the Big Twelve has existed longer than Houston was in the Southwest Conference. If you go do the math, um, it's going to be a great rivalry. I can't wait. For, I mean, I, they're horrible people online. <laughs> they're they're the I, so I will say they're this: I I have I was blessed enough at the beginning of my career out of college to be able to work in some really cool jobs that didn't necessarily pay a whole lot, but they they were cool to work in. And one of the things that I got to do was when TDECU Stadium was opened, one of my one of my very close friends was actually working on getting that place open from like a technology and ticketing standpoint. So I actually got to help. And in fact, in their first year, I actually worked uh, just to make some extra cash on the side. I was the will call guy for um, home player will call. So whenever players, parents or friends or whoever would come to pick up their tickets for the game. I was the guy that they would come to for a few games that year. So, and I got to see kind of some behind the scenes on the construction and how their season tickets were sold and things like that. 
Um, and I've lived in Houston my whole life. I've been to tons of U of H game, both at Robertson before they built this one. And now I've been to a couple at TDECU. Um, and I do have some funny stories working player will call like times when um, a family would walk up and a player's girlfriend would be on the list, but his mom's name wouldn't. And then I couldn't give the mom tickets because of NCAA rules because they're super strict. Um, so that was the, the, always a fun situation. Guys, if you have to put people's name down to get them tickets to an event, make sure you prioritize your mother over your girlfriend. Golden rule. Well, maybe your mom sucks. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, Matt, let's dive in. Now, this I, I did lie earlier. I said earlier that Cincinnati was the only team last year that played two power five teams in their non-con. That was a lie. U of H did last year. They played two big 12 schools. They yeah. played Texas Tech and Kansas, lost to both of them. Um, Kansas, they lost to by 18 at home. Though um, they did hang with Tech last year, they lost by three points in overtime in Lubbock, um, and a so, four a three. I don't know who hit. should be offended most about your oversight. Is it should it be Kansas or or Texas Tech? Kansas, because <laughs> I saw Texas Tech and I saw both of them, and I was like, oh, Texas Tech's a power five school. Um, Joe, the thing that sticks out to me about U of H from last year, though, like, okay, so UCF was nine and five. They they made it to the AAC championship game. U of H was eight and five. They were five and three in conference. So they looked a little bit better, but man, they, I just look at the schedule and like, they barely beat Memphis. They beat Memphis by one. They barely beat Rice at home. Oh, Rice. They only beat Rice by a touchdown. They barely Rice, beat UCF. Rice is good. Rice is good. Rice is not good. Rice is not good at anything. They barely beat Temple at home. I don't like this U of H team. They did They did beat your Raging Cajuns in Shreveport in the Independence Bowl. Uh, but again, only by a touchdown. There's, there yeah. is nothing inspiring about U of H's no. season when I look at them last year. And again, and they have, they've lost their best that, receiver and their quarterback. All that was before they lost like their best players in yes. the offseason. Yeah. So I don't have New quarterback, new running back, new receiver. I mean, yeah. They're also the they're also the unique one out of the newbies. They have uh their schedule lays out a little bit weird. They don't play three straight non-cons. So they do have a conference game yeah. before they close out their non-conference. But we'll get into that right now. Um at home, Houston starts off with when I'm sure they scheduled this game, expecting it to be an easy one. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken. This was the team that they played in the inaugural game ever in TDECU Stadium, and they lost before this team was good. The UTSA Roadrunners um, head to Houston to play U of H. UTSA been a darling the last few years out of the FCS. Do you think Houston has a chance to beat UTSA to kick off their Big 12 careers? I actually think UTSA wins this game. I agree. This is a Houston loss. UTSA has a quarterback coming back. Um, I'm the head coach is like, I'm very high. I think he's going to be a power five head coach. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the Roadrunners get a W here. I agree. UTSA starts off one and oh, they get themselves a power five win to start the year. And the, the, oh my gosh, look, there's an FCS, there's an FCS team that could go undefeated, you know, stuff starts starts ramping up again i like utsa a lot so i'm i'm taking them to win this game they've won here before 
I do think I do think U of H will have a bigger crowd than normal. They're there's they have some pretty lethargic fans, I'll be honest. But they're they're finally in the Big 12. There's gonna be a lot of people buying tickets to this. They're gonna be selling a lot of season tickets this year, but that's just because of one game that's on the schedule that we'll get to later. Um, that they've been wanting to play for a long time. And but yeah, is, UTSA wins this game. This is like um UTSA is like they're in the uh American now, right? Yes. So yeah. So they're basically taking and they're they place. they're what they they finished the year ranked last year so yeah they finished top twenty five yeah twenty three so, so yeah all right so Houston then goes on their first quote unquote road game of the year after this they had um about twenty minutes max away more depending on traffic to uh the crappy part of Houston to the nice part of Houston and head over to Rice Stadium. Uh, home of where John F. Kennedy gave his "We Will Go to the Moon" speech, um, and home to I think what Super Bowl eight I want to say it was played there. They, were, they played a Super Bowl at Rice Stadium. Yeah, they played you didn't Super know Bowl that. There. Yeah, um, it's huge and it's a giant dump and it's terrible and I can't believe it still exists. But that said, Houston will go on a quote unquote road game to play Rice at Rice Stadium. Do you think there's any chance that that Houston wins this game, Matt? Yeah, I do. I think they can beat Rice. Yeah, they will be Rice. I think Rice is making progress, but given the other constraints on their athletics programs, I think Houston will be able to take care of business. Agreed. All right, so we've got – you've got – we're both one and one here. All right, so their first one of the year against hated rival Rice University. Next, though, like I mentioned, they now have their very first Big 12 conference game of the year. Going to be a hot one. September 16th. It is a night game, though. We do already have this one. It'll be 7 o'clock at night. It'll still be steamy and humid, though. So, But thank God it's at night. Um, on Fox. So this is a nationally televised game. The national runner-up, TCU Horned Frogs, head down to Houston to play in what used to be a Southwest Conference game. Um, the Houston Cougars at TDECU. Matt, is there any way Houston can knock off the defending national championship losers? I don't see one. So to me, this is all about, or I'll say this, it's less to do with TCU and more to do with the deficiencies of Houston. 100% agree. I think, I think TCU beats the crap out of them. I don't think TCU is going to be nearly as good as they were last year. Um, yeah. I but... mean, they are like, um, Dykes and Hogerson both, you know they're they're familiar with each other. They kind of run similar offenses. They're on the same coaching staff at Texas Tech. Probably multiple occasions they've been on the same coaching staff. Um, I just think that there's just more talent on TCU's side of the ball. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, so we both have a TCU loss. Uh, it does get. A little bit easier after that game. They finally close out their non-con. This is another night game. It'll be a 6 o'clock central kick for Houston, so 6 o'clock local. Um, they welcome in a a team that has made a lot of noise over the last decade plus in the FCS, winning a couple of national titles. The Sam Houston, not to be confused with Houston, uh, Bearcats head into town. And uh, Are they FCS or have they moved up to FBS? No, though? this is their first year as in Conference USA. So, yeah, yeah they're FBS. Conference USA. So, Sam, Sam making the jump up. So, Sam has, like I said, they've won a couple of national titles down at the lower levels. So, they, they think that they're ready to move up. 
So it's it's the Battle of Houston's the, the school named after the guy and the school named after the city named after the guy. Um, who takes the victory in this one, Houston or Sam Houston? Only one has a humongous statue of the the guy that's named after both. <laughs> so. But I think Houston wins. I mean, Sam Houston, FCS to FBS is a bigger jump than like group of five to power five. Yeah. And especially AAC to, to power five. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So I just think that um, this game is probably going to be closer than Houston fans think. But I think at the end of the day, they're, they get away with the win. This is the furthest we have gotten today where you and I are still even with each other. We're both at what two and two now with, with where Houston's going to be sitting. And after this Sam Houston game, they're going to hop on a plane or a bus, hopefully a plane because it's a long drive and head up and face off against the fight in Joey McGuire's in Lubbock, Texas against Texas tech. This is a, it's a September game. So if it's not a night, it's going to be hot uh, yeah. though. I don't think it'll affect Houston less than others. They'll be used to it. But what do you think about this? Does, does Houston have a shot at beating Texas tech? They hung with them in Lubbock last year. I don't think so. I think I think Texas Tech is will be more improved. Yeah, and, and they played Texas them Tech's early gonna be last better. year. Houston's going to be worse. They played them earlier last year, and this is what the fifth game of the season. Yes. So yeah, so you're going to have Texas Tech's going to have, you know, ha- almost half the season under their belt. Um, I just think they're just going to be more, more talented and just better prepared for this game. Agreed. So I've got I've got Texas Tech winning this one. So Houston gets an off week after five games. So they'll have seven straight after their bye. Not the worst bye week you can get, but not the best. Um, and then they head back home where they will they have two games in a row at home. One easy, one tough. Um, the easy one is a school that we've talked about at length today, so we don't really need to get into too much detail. West Virginia, it is, it's kind of an interesting game. I'm surprised this one wasn't played in Morgantown to give the West Virginia fans a chance to boo Dana coming home because Houston got their coach from West Virginia. Do you think Dana Holgerson wins the revenge game or do you think West Virginia gets to have the last laugh saying you should never have left us? I think Holgerson probably gets the revenge. I agree. I think Holgerson wins this game. Houston beats West Virginia. Matt, we are the same, and it's an interesting thing. We have loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. So we're three and three, and no no level of consistency whatsoever for Houston, which I think matches up well with how we kind of view their team, of just kind of being a bit chaotic and not really understanding what they are and where they're going to end up. So three and three is where we both have them, both have them beating West Virginia here. As I mentioned, they do stay at home, though. And this right here, this is the game that Houston has been trying to play for a long time. Um, If you aren't aware of the politics that exist here, um, we're talking about the Texas Longhorns. They're coming down to play at TDECU Stadium. Texas and Houston have an interesting history. And by history, I mean Houston thinks that they should get respect from Texas, and Texas acts like they don't know that they exist. Houston has tried many times to get Texas to play them in non-con. 
And Texas has, and these are all hearsay things that I've been told, has always said, sure, we'll play you. But if we ever play in Houston, it's not going to be at your stadium. They've always wanted to play at NRG, essentially, where the Texans play. They've never wanted to give Houston the time of day and play at their stadium. And now they're being forced to in in the only year that these two will be in the same conference since the dissolution of the Southwest Conference. Um, Houston did get the opportunity to get Texas at home. So there's lots of season tickets that are being sold right now. I can guarantee you just for folks that just want to go to this game. Um, They just wanted to guarantee themselves a chance to go see Texas play or their Texas fans in Houston and want to get and want to make sure that they get to see their Longhorns play Texas. Personally, um, one of the reasons I'm really struggling with my big 12 poll is because I'm trying to find it hard not to put them at one. Um, Don't, Fricassee me for that, but I have very, I I think very highly of Texas coming into this year. So I think Texas is going to walk into Houston and absolutely say, this is why we don't think you're relevant and we act like you don't exist. Get off the same field as us. And they are going to blow the doors off of Houston. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way with Texas is because looking at it, there's really no good reason not to put them number one in the preseason poll based on all the data that you can like input into your brain and come out with any kind of different answer on paper. They should be all right. Um, this is the absolute worst year for Houston to get Texas. And I just think it's Texas going to go in and just. Molly beat, beat the dog crap out of them. Yep, just destroy them. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a very disappointing afternoon or evening for Houston fans. But guess what, Matt? It gets so much easier because now that they've had two home games in a row, they get two road games in a row. And the first one of that is the defending Big 12 champion, Kansas State Wildcats. (laughs) Yeah, I just, this is the worst two teams you can play back-to-back. Or I will say, the yeah, so these upcoming two games. It's really the worst because Kansas State's going to beat you up. Yep. And they're going to hold the ball and just run out the clock on you. So you've got Kansas State winning. Kansas State's going to win, yeah. I do too. Congratulations, Houston. You've reached some consistency. You've done something back-to-back. Matt and I both have you losing back-to-back games against Texas and Kansas State. So, Matt, a quick check-in. We've got one, two, three, four games left. So, through eight, you and I have Houston at, let's see, one, two, three. We have them at three and five. So, for ball eligibility, they really they really only have one more blemish that they can have on their schedule. The next one up, as I mentioned, two road games. They head up to McLean Stadium in Waco, Texas. I will be there as a fan for this one. Um, as I mentioned, my dad went to U of H, so he wants to go to this game as a fan to watch U of H play to play Baylor. So I'll be sitting in the crowd, um, yeah, not I up mean, in the press box for this one. But I will be there as well. Yeah. we So we've got, you know, Baylor is one of the only schools that's playing all three of the newbies that we've <laughs> talked about today. Um, and I'll just say it right up front. Baylor's going to win. Yeah, this is what I was talking about because Baylor's kind of going to do the same thing Kansas State's going to do. They're going to be beat up from Kansas State and then get beat up again. Yep, I agree with you wholeheartedly. All right, so now we've got our sixth loss for U of H. They have three games remaining. They have to win out to make a bowl game. 
Let's see if they can do it. Matt, they've got Cincinnati. I think I had this as a win for Houston, if I recall correctly. We both did. Yes. Yeah, we both so, had this as a win for Houston. Yeah, so, so we'll stick with that. I think so, Houston takes care of it. Coming after three, three game, losses in a row. Three game losing streak, they kind of get back on the winning train. They write the ship. They're four and six now with two games remaining. Matt, another team that we've talked about at length, and we have we have not been high on Oklahoma State. I'm gonna go with another Houston win to get the Houston win to five wins. Right. Five and six. All right. So then they close out the year with a must-win game. They hop on a plane. They fly to the state of Florida in a game we have already picked to face off against UCF with bowl eligibility on the line. Tell me, Matt, does Houston make bowl eligibility? Disappointment for the Cougars. Disappointment. Um, They do not make bowl eligibility. So we both have Houston at a womp, womp, five and seven. You and I in perfect agreement on this schedule. Yeah, this, this and Cincinnati, those are the ones who I thought were I'm the lowest on in the Big 12 outside of like West Virginia. All right, I think that's like the bottom part of the Big 12 conference. But I think they have way more upside than West Virginia does in the future, but we'll see how that all plays out. We will see how that all plays out. Well, I'm glad I took notes now because now we can reference back on June 19th. This is how stupid Matt and I were. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you said maybe like nine and three. Who knows? I know they're not. I can't. I don't even know who they're. I'm. I am more than happy to stake my reputation on the fact that Houston will not finish nine and three this year. I have. I have no qualms about about saying that wholeheartedly. And I would. I would agree with you. All right. Now, what do we? So, so that's it. We've got. That's sports. We have completed the newbies. And, and. You know, UCF looks like they're having a pretty solid year, but you're super low on Cincinnati and Houston both. Uh, I think it'll be interesting um, how these things play out. I'm very excited to see how these how these schools land. Um, I'm excited to interact with their fan bases. I've barely been on Twitter over the last month or so just because, I don't know, I don't really have much to talk about right now because it's not football season. I haven't seen so. you on Twitter a lot, and I, sometimes I would expect to see you. Like, yeah, you know, during a sporting event or whatever the case may be, and you haven't been on there, so yeah, man, it's just I don't know. I haven't had much desire to get on there. Like I'll get on, and it almost feels. I'll be honest with you. Twitter at times can feel like a chore when I'm not like excited about what's going on in the world. So, and you're right. Um, I mean, you are an Astros fan, so you have baseball going on. But yeah, know, but NBA I'm not a big over. baseball tweeter. You yeah. know, I will in the playoffs when I want to talk trash and my team's good. But yeah, like. You know, the Astros are just good right now. There's not really much trash to talk. The Rangers are better than they are. Rockets so. are not good. Yeah, uh, and, and NBA, I don't, NBA's over. I'm a fair-weather Rockets fan, admittedly. So, um, College baseball, we don't really watch it. So, yeah, we got that going for us. Um, so, yeah, since basketball, like, I've, since basketball ended, I've, or college basketball, I should say, 
I've been like full on like preseason football. That's kind of like yeah. my focus and non-sports focuses. Yeah. So like, it, there's just not as much for me. So, but that's it. There, there you go. If you know, I hope if you got a friend that roots for Cincinnati, Houston, or UCF, send them this, let them, let them come yell at us on our Twitters. I'll respond if somebody thinks I'm an idiot. Um, but besides that, there's something else cool recently in the non-sports realm, if we're ready to hop over there, that you and I have both seen recently. Yes, let's do it. All right. So uh, you can take off your sports hat, relax, sit down in your favorite chair, cozy up. We're going to talk some Miles Morales. If you have not seen um, Spider-Man, what is it? Across the Spider-Verse Across uh, is the, the Spider-verse. name. Across yeah. the Spider-Verse. If you have not seen the second one, if you haven't seen the first one, even, I would I would go ahead and tune out. Go watch those movies. Because I will tell you, they're both extremely good. And I, I have a very high opinion of the second one as well. Um, but spoiler alert, if you have not seen the latest Spider-Man movie, because we're going to dive in and just chat about it for a little while. Matt, I saw it before you. And in fact, I mm-hmm. will let you know, I've actually seen the movie twice. And I've, I've also seen it twice. Oh, nice. So yeah, I went and saw it with my wife. And then I had last weekend, um, I had a little dude's day with a couple of friends um that our wives kind of scheduled and we're like hey we're gonna watch the kids you can guys go out and have fun because we had some other stuff planned for father's day so it was kind of like my father's day present was last weekend and one of the things that the two guys i was with they wanted to go see spider-man and i was like i've already seen it but i will absolutely go see it again um so yeah i've seen it twice i loved it matt i uh, i absolutely loved it i did too it was as good as the first one was somehow they managed to like match it and i think it's just as good i think the first one overall is is better just by a little bit the only the reason you say that and it's because the first one has the first one can stand on its own it has closure but also the first one also established yeah it introduced it was new it was new and introduced everything you have a frame of reference for the second one because of the first one. True. And I think it may end up like a star Wars thing where I think empire strikes back is the best star Wars movie, especially out of the original trilogy. I do too. But I, I would guess that if I had seen them in theaters as they were coming out, I might like a new hope better initially, just because again, you could watch a new hope, just a new hope. And you don't, you'd be satisfied. Right. If you were to just just like you said, there's closure at the end of the movie. Yeah. And Empire Strikes Back, there's not closure. But I know what happens in Return of the Jedi when I watch it. So like I don't need that. I know. Yeah. I know what the closure is. I can just appreciate how awesome Empire is. And I think it might be the same thing here where because across the Spider-Verse does not give you closure on the story. It it sets you up for what the final chapter is going to be. Very much the opposite. Yeah, so, so, but that's the only downside to the movie. The and, I, and again, I think once we get the third installment, I may look, depending on how good or bad the third one is, let's be honest, but I it, it may end up being that Across the Spider-Verse is my favorite because the second half of this movie is just nonstop. There's no, there's no resting. It's a fun movie the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. Like, there's like a couple of, like, there's like action sequences. It's, you're talking like two at least 20 minutes of like action sequences. Right. And there's fight at the beginning with, with spot and Spider-Man that last a good portion of the first part of the movie. Then you have the, the one at the end 
Yeah, the one at the end where they're where like where, in Spider what New uh, York, where they're in New York and all the Spider Spider Society and all that. I mean, that's like such an excellent sequence. It's and, so good. Yeah. So so the 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 last like really third of the film is like you're they're just setting up the cliffhanger. It had a little bit of Return of the King to it, where it, where I thought the movie was going to end about four different times. I kept being like, okay, this is where it ends. Oh, no, 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 this is where it ends. Oh, no, 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 this is where it ends. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. So is Spot the villain, or is Spider-Man 2099 the villain? Ah, great question. I think Spot is the villain. I do. I think they are setting up spider-man 2099 to be like the like he's the the good guy the good intention guy that take th- takes things too far i think that's this that's the kind of predicted setup a lot of people have um now granted i'm not aware of the comics that these are based off of so if you are and i'm just totally off base feel free to throw a brick at me but um i think what eventually is going to happen is it's going to be like there's going to be some things that happen and Spider-Man 2099 is going to either, it's going to be like, I told you so this is what happens, but I'm here to support you. We are the good guys kind of thing. Like I think, and I do think spot ends up being the main villain. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, like I didn't read the comics, but I've, I've done a little research and Spider-Man 2099, I think is one of the few iterations of Spider-Man Who's not a teenager when he gets his powers. Correct. And he synthetically changes his his DNA to get powers. It's not like he's bitten by a spider. Like he constructs a formula to get Spider-Man powers. So it's a different dynamic. And I think a lot of part of Spider-Man is like he's a teenager dealing with teenage problems while he has these abilities and this responsibility. Yeah, and that's and kind of the whole of point, right? It's part of the whole thing of Spider-Man is like, yeah. I was watching the Stan Lee documentary um, that's on Disney Plus, and Stan Lee says that like part of the the lore of Spider-Man is like he's a superhero, but has everyday problems. Like he still has to pay rent, he still has school. That's part of that. Was part of the allure of that comic was, yes, he has these abilities, but he's still a normal guy. Dealing with right, and that's problems. why he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man too. He's not yeah. the, he's not the global, you know, save us from aliens that yeah. are here to destroy the universe. Superman he's one of the style few Marvel stuff. Marvel heroes or comic book characters that has a secret identity. Everyone else is pretty much out and open. Like Iron right. Man, Tony Stark is like I'm Iron Man. Like he's out there. Yeah, Thor is Spider-Man just Thor. Keeps like... <laughs> his, yeah, Spider-Man keeps his private, his civilian, so to speak, life separate from his superhero activities right and he doesn't really leave new york no in in kind of his main stories and you know his his villains kind of stay in new york for him they're so polite for doing that um so yeah there he is he is a unique character but i man i i really like this um i think the twists weren't crazy twisty which is fine it makes it rewatchable i think a lot of the stuff was pretty predictable in the movie um, but again, it, it they didn't lean on the wow factor of oh my god, I can't believe they did this. Um, as what made the movie cool. What made the movie cool was just that it was a cool movie. So, like, I think the fact that 
he ends up in the universe of the spider that bit him instead of his own universe. Like that's, I thought that was unique and cool. The fact that his, you know, that universe is miles Morales becomes the prowler because his dad is dead instead of his uncle. Like I, those were those, in my opinion, based off of the way the movie was flowing were pretty predictable to me, but they were still pretty good. Let me ask you this. Do you think the earth was it 42? Earth 42, yes. Miles Morales. Do you think he's a villain prowler? Yes. So. Because when they're walking up there, they're talking about getting around security. Yeah, I. Th- but I think I have a theory that I've heard other places, but I agree with that is since there is no Spider-Man because they they play the radio thing. They talk about the Sinister Six. Um, yeah, I and isn't Prowler in, in, in the Sinister Six? In our normal 616 canon reality yes um i have a theory that he's going to be actually be taking the role of spider-man since there is no spider-man in fighting against sinister six he's not going to be a a bad guy okay i think miles morales no prowler is is not in the sinister six okay so like i think he's taking that role of fighting for the neighborhood you know against these interesting theory like he's convinced Uncle Aaron. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. See, I think so. I th- kind of think it because like Uncle Aaron has a ton of money, right? Like, but the fact that, yeah, I, I just kind of assumed Prowler was in the Sinister Six. Like, well, but it's maybe, Doc Ock, Electro, Craven the Hunter, Mysterio, Sandman, and Vulture are the Sinister Six. And maybe it could be like, he's more of like an anti-hero. Like he, he does things for the neighborhood, but they're also still like, do things for money. Yeah. But do protection for money and things like that. But um but yeah, I've I've uh that's just right now. It's like I think like when it comes back, I think that the Earth 42 miles will help our miles get back to where he's supposed to be. Got it. Okay. I can dig that. I, I actually wouldn't hate that at all. Like it turns out that like Miles is a good dude in every yeah, Miles uh, Morales is going to be himself in every. Okay, so here's variation. an interesting thing. So, spoiler alert: if you don't want to like do some like background reading on anything, so I'm just reading through the Sinister Six's Wikipedia page. That's all I'm doing here, and there is a ton of iterations of Sinister Six, right? And sometimes there's like a a, a twelve man, even like there's a Sinister Six twelve or a Sinister twelve. There is one that is called Sinister Six number fourteen. And it is a new incarnation is assembled by Miles Morales's uncle, Aaron Davis, who is wearing a recolored and modified version of the Iron Spider armor. So um, he becomes Aaron Davis becomes one of the members of the Sinister Six wearing a Spider-Man outfit. Um, And that Sinister Six is Iron Spider, Bombshell, Electro, Hobgoblin, Sandman and Spot. Interesting. So it may be something where Miles Morales as Prowler ends up fighting against an Iron Spider version of Uncle Aaron, or maybe they take a version of this where Uncle Aaron becomes the Iron Spider and is in the Sinister Six. But instead of that, it's Miles Morales as Prowler working with Spot against Miles Morales Spider-Man. But yes, there is an incarnation where Miles' uncle is in the Sinister Six as a version of Spider-Man. But I don't see Prowler anywhere on here. Let me do a search. Control. War. 
Prowler. Yeah, there is there is no mention of the character Prowler whatsoever on the Sinister Six Wikipedia page. So it won't surprise me if we do see him as a villain based off of that little bit of information I just found. Yes. But yeah, so overall, overall, stellar, stellar, one of the best movies I've seen in a while. Yeah, so me too. And like I went and saw it twice. I went with my my oldest daughter was at camp. She was out of town. So when she came back, she wanted to see it. I have I, I'm part of like the Cinemark like movie club. So I get like free tickets, free a credit for a free ticket every month. And so I had two built up and I was like, sure, let's go see it. Let's go see it again. I'll I'll take you. So we went and saw it a second time, and it's just as good the second time, if not better, than the first time I saw it. Yeah, I I agree. It was just so good. It was just just so good. Yeah, and so that's pretty much. All... That's it. We've been going for a while too. So. Yeah, yeah. Only thing I I watched Extraction Two on Netflix, which is just a great action movie. Did you watch the first one? No, I I don't. You should watch it. It's a Chris Hemsworth. It's produced by the Russo brothers who did like Endgame and um, Infinity War. Yeah, of course you do. Um, directed by Sam Hargrave, who's like a former stunt coordinator. So like the action sequences are just bonkers. And it, it's just a great action. It's like it reminds me of like those like 80s, late 80s, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. Like, like it's just an action movie. And shit's going to blow up and amazing fight scenes. It's just it's worth a watch. All right, I'll think about it. I did watch Dungeons and Dragons. It's a good film, isn't it? It's a bad film with what? just enough good things that happen in the right intervals to make you not think it's a bad film. It's a it's a good it's fun. It's it, fun it was time. an okay time. Like I kept every time I got close to being like what like like literally because you told me you liked it. And so I, I yeah. went into it and I sat down and I was watching it on Paramount Plus and I sat there and I was like, This movie sucks. Oh, okay, that's funny. Like I, every time I my, my my brain would get to the this movie sucks, Chris Pine would do something that was funny, and and I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm back. Well, but like the, the, Michelle Rodriguez is great. She was pretty good. Um, I thought Chris Pine was the best part of the movie, though. Chris Pine so. is the best part of the movie. Maybe, maybe Hugh Grant because no, he, just, he sucks. He just All that stuff sucks. Hugh Grant. He just like in in Chris Pine's daughter sucked. Everything like. I don't know. Maybe I don't know enough about Dungeons and Dragons to like care um, about like who the Red Wizards are or whatever. But um, again, I didn't dislike it. I didn't dislike it. I just thought it's a fun this isn't time. Good. It's a fun time at the movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't have like if I would have paid money to go see it, I wouldn't have been upset. But it's not something I probably will ever watch again. I've seen it three times. <laughs> Really? Yes, I love it so much. If they come out with a sequel, I'll see it. I don't know if I wish they would, but some of the bits. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it's the Chris Pine of it just makes me like it so much more because some of the bits are just so good. Like the graveyard bits, just so good. The graveyard like, bit was great. It, the I think it's just it's peak, like peak Chris Pine being like what he does best. The the best so scene good. in the movie was the the 
the fake the fake out when they distract the guards with like the avatar of Chris Pine that then starts melting. Yeah, like that, that was that bit. was good. That is a good bit. I still my favorite part of the movie is the graveyard scene. For I think the it's problem I have bit. with it is it's a funny bit. They came into it and they said we want a fun Dungeons and Dragons based movie where Chris Pine gets to be Chris Pine, and they were like, "Great, let's write that." And then they were like, "Wait, what's the conflict have to be?" And so the, I felt like the conflict was an afterthought in the movie. It just seems so, like, yeah, I've seen this story a million times before. I don't know, man. You're in the minority. It has a ninety percent Rotten Tomatoes. Story. No, and again, I would not have. I wouldn't have done the stinky tomato if, like, if I was voting on it. Like, I would have certified it. Like, yeah, it's it's good enough to see. But you called it a bad movie. Yeah, it's a bad movie with good parts instead of being a good movie with bad parts. But you can right, still enjoy fair. a good that's movie fair. or a bad film, movie. Film like, is subjective, okay. so like it, that's fair. Yeah. Like, I don't, if somebody like you, like you come to me and you're like, I loved that movie. I'm not sitting there going like, what is he thinking? But I'm just like, oh, yeah, I didn't like it that much. But I didn't hate not, it. Not me. Yeah. Like, I, I would love rate a that movie, movie three stars. Like, I'd I give love that a, three a movie stars. and then you say that movie sucked. I was like, well, Joe's obviously an idiot. I mean, that's all I can. Um, that's all I, can. <laughs> I am an idiot. That is true. We won't debate no, that. That's fair. Um, anything else you're looking forward to? We've been going a little bit. I mean, I have up. my tickets for Oppenheimer already. Yeah, good. That's the next I've one got... I'm going to is Oppenheimer. Yeah, that's what I'm going to. I do have a bunch of concerts I'm going to lately. Like, okay. I, I'm going to a concert in Atlanta on Thursday. I'm going to see Jason Isbell. I've cool, got cool. tickets to see Tenacious D um, in a couple of months. I've got tickets to see Beck in a couple of months. So we're I've got yeah I've got some fun I'm, stuff coming. I'm gonna go see Metallica in a couple months. Hell yeah! Uh, and then um, I'm seeing Tenacious D at like a tiny little venue here in Houston. That's wild. I'm so excited. That's wild. Um, so Oppenheimer, I think that's the next movie I'm going to see. Oh, are you going to see The Flash in the theater? I man, I don't know if I'm going to just skip it off uh, out of principle. I think I'm going to watch it, but I think I'm going to wait until it's on like Max. Yeah, I think that I might be. Right. I don't think I'm going to go and pay. I'm not going to pay office. any more money than I already have to Warner Brothers for it. And yeah, and it's. And like you, like out of principle, was like, I disagree with how they handled that whole thing, and I just don't want to add to their box office. Yeah, which isn't great as it is. So, yeah, I don't, and I just don't care about the Flash. I just don't. Yeah, mine. I would be going to see that just for nostalgia reasons, and not necessarily because it's a Flash movie. Right. So I can do that from my living room. So. All right. Well, we've been rambling right. for a while. We got three teams in. We talked some Spider Man. Matt, where can the people find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Workman. Find the podcast at The Bared In Pod. Um, how about you, Joe? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, and my handle was recently described by someone as enough to make any man dumber. Um, at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. It is a very dumb one, but I've had it for 12 years now. So screw as yourself. A, as a Baylor fan that uh, described you that way, I believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, he goes to Texas, so who cares? Um, oh, yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. And then as we get closer to the football season, you will see some more stuff around football popping up on ODB. Um, also, be on the lookout here in about a month. Matt and I will be up in Dallas at Big 12 Media Days. We're going to probably do a live stream from there. We may even hook up with um, some of your other favorite Big 12 podcasts that'll be up there. So be on the lookout. We'll we'll have more details as we get closer. For sure. Look forward to seeing everybody. And uh, that's all I got, Joe. Excellent. Matt. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always, Super Bears. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.